passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite here on Wednesday, June the 21st. John Pollock waiting with you for the next hour or so. And then tonight, doubleheader night, we are moving over to the Post Wrestling Cafe for this week's double shot chatting about Dark Side of the Ring. What happened to Doink the Clown? That question and more to be answered on the double shot. How are you, Way? Doing okay, John. Yeah. In the middle of a, well, actually really at the start of like a big rush towards the weekend. So yeah, right in the thick of it. It's a very busy week that's going on. It is Forbidden Door weekend. It is Forbidden Poor weekend. So the last time you have to hear from us, postwrestling.com slash live for the final remaining tickets. We have a very small amount of tickets remaining for our entire all-day event starting at 3 p.m. Eastern. Doors will be opening, and that gives you access to a live edition of Ask Away. There's going to be a special game from Braden and Davey. We are going to have many members of the post community live in, in attendance, and then your ticket brings you back for the after party after Forbidden Door. So what better way to cap off the pay-per-view than by coming across the street to Real Sports and joining the post-wrestling crew for the after party. So tickets available, postwrestling.com slash live, or if you are so daring, we have a QR code right there. There's no excuses. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a bit of added incentive. We have a sponsor for this event, and that is Suntory. Suntory Surprise. Uh, and in fact, the first 50 people that will be entering the Forbidden Pour will receive a free cocktail, a rainmaker. Uh, from courtesy of our sponsors at Suntory. So is uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru going to be handing them out at the door? He will. Uh, if you order one, he will spit them right in your face. Yes. Well, that's wonderful. It's the the last thing pro wrestling fans need is a is a complimentary cocktail on this particular night. But we are providing it for you. So come on down to Real Sports. We hope to see many of you there and alive. And, and, and try some of the other cocktails we've got. Um, I believe we have the Judas effect that's coming out, right? Uh, and also other menu items. Uh, I can't wait for you, all you guys to see the menu. So that's uh, right. Yeah. And um, I'm very, I'm looking forward to the live edition of Ask Away. So that will be uh, going down. You can all ask your questions. You are free to submit questions on the forum. I think we'll be good for for questions for this particular show on Sunday, but. You can always post questions in the forum, and what we don't get to on Sunday, we will get to on the next Mailbag Show. 
Yeah, yeah. We've also got some other prizes that we'll be giving out during the Poison Rana games and also throughout the karaoke as well. I believe there's an IWGP Heavyweight Championship belt, courtesy of Pure Fandom. We've got uh, several books, like John Moxley's book. We've got the Abraham Reisman book. We've got the Young Bucks book that we'll be giving away courtesy of uh, Simon Schuster and also Harper Collins. So a lot of great prizes to be had. There you go, everyone. There's there's your code. There's everything you need right there. So we hope to see you on on Sunday. Are you ready for the weekend way? Are you ready for? No, I'm not. A lot of hours of wrestling. A lot of podcasting. I'm really a a lot of podcasting. All of that is coming up. Well, we are not going to waste any time. I think we should be diving right into Dynamite because there was a ton of news coming out of tonight's show. The final, well, not the final stop, but the final Dynamite before Forbidden Door this coming weekend. And I would say we have a pretty complete card at this point for uh, Forbidden Door, at least all of the key names now finding spots on the show. So they were at the Wintrust Arena tonight, which was identified as a sellout by Excalibur at the beginning of the show. And this looked like a very plentiful crowd, certainly a lively crowd in Chicago just days after the collision debut in town at the United Center. And before the opening even gave the audience a chance, a chance to start a CM Punk chant and expecting him out first, boom, that Hardy's music hit. And maybe as a uh, the best theme to have ready for, uh, to divert attention away from people. But we can speak about the, the the punk thing first and foremost is that it was reported earlier in the day he was in the building. But this was a call by AEW not to promote his appearance in in advance. Like they did not make some last minute push for him uh, being on the show and left it to people to, I guess, naturally assume he would be on the show. Even though we did get later in the show him actually stating, hey, I'm a collision guy. I'm not even supposed to be here, which maybe is a bit of a, you know, a a loose sense of what to expect in the weeks to come. Yeah, certainly um, a bit surprising that AEW wouldn't, you know, tee this up beforehand just to kind of drive a few extra eyeballs. Um, Maybe Tony, you know, wants to respect the idea that don't expect, you know, better to surprise somebody um, without announcing it beforehand and to maybe, you know, it's not like the promo was really all that big here. You know, there wasn't that much substance to CM Punk's appearance other than the surprise itself. And perhaps for that reason, maybe this worked better as a surprise. Well, the Hardys and the Guns have the first match and very loud chants of Ass Boys and Hardy. Jeff hits the Whisper in the Wind, which Excalibur notes he slipped up on at Double or Nothing, but he's now got his uh, his his time the, the ring rust. He's he's knocked off the ring rust. So there's a cheap shot by Colton. So they get the heat on Jeff. Eventually, Matt is tagged in, and Matt gets his neck snapped on the top rope, and they're trying to use the pin, the rope with leverage for the pinfall, but there's a kick out. Colton grabs Austin to block the twist of fate, so Jeff makes a save with a tackle and then hits a double DDT. There's a series of counters with Colton, ending with Jeff hitting the twist of fate, but when he goes to climb to the top for the Swanton, Juice Robinson distracts the referee, allowing Jay White to shove Jeff off, leading to 310 to Yuma, and Austin Gunn pins Jeff Hardy, proving that the Guns are the superior brothers on Earth. Yeah, congrats to them. Uh, and sorry to all the other brothers out there big name win for the guns to emphasize you know like this sort of renewed push and renewed association with bullet club gold um may not officially a part of the stable yet but that's i would still assume to be the direction i thought the match was about what you would expect of a hardy's match in 2023 a lot of familiar spots can't really say it was all that memorable um for dynamite standard but i think it was more important to have a big name for the guns to defeat that is what they had, and this ended up being more so of the the post-match setup for a series of run-ins because you had Jay White and Juice Robinson joining the guns in attacking Matt Hardy, and they hit him with a Blade Runner, then the left hand of God using the roll of, uh, of coins, and then Ricky Starks runs out. He is outnumbered, so FTR come out, and they got a huge reaction, and I think part of that is FTR's extremely popular I think that was also, if there was any doubt from the audience, I think they had pieced together what this is all leading to as well. So they get held down, and then the CM Punk chants begin, and when this guy comes out, this arena exploded. And they exploded to such a degree, Matt and Jeff Hardy vanished into thin air during this post-match. They were, they just were gone from this whole attack. 
I don't know what happened to them. Well, there, I mean, no future plans for them. It looks they're like. not on they're... that collision match. No. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Punk is out. He helps the baby faces, uh, and Juice avoids the GTS and escapes while Punk is left with FTR and Starks in the ring. And Punk challenges them for a match. First, he says next, next week on collision. And they do clarify this Saturday on collision. And he does throw in the line. I'm a collision guy. I'm not even supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Maybe a, a Dante. Um, fan as well is CM Punk. So there you have it. That was the opening segment. I mean, not, um, not the most memorable CM Punk in Chicago moment, but it got him on the show. I think this crowd would have been disappointed if you didn't get Punk onto the show. And it was certainly the biggest reaction of the night was reserved for Punk here in this opening brawl. Yeah, I think beyond, you know, the Chicago crowd, I thought it was good to expose Punk to a dynamite audience that, you know, like there are some people out there, believe it or not, that aren't watching every single hour of AEW television that's out there. Who? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, looking at the ratings this week. See, I'm Punk's back. <laughs> but and nonetheless, on a Wednesday night to just kind of like announce to the world that, that hey, CM Buck is, is associated with our brand again. I thought this was worthwhile. Um and you know tell, tells you kind of in, in as many words that if you want to see me you have to t- tune into collision on saturdays so um as a second main event for collision you know the six man i thought the six man was good to start off last week but um i yeah what did, what did you think about tonight in terms of setting up week two of collision i thought that it was fine but at the end of this show, did i feel like collision is must see on saturday night i don't know if i quite felt that Without the appeal of a CM Punk's, you know, first appearance back, uh, a big promo from, from CM Punk and also his first in-ring appearance, I, I, I didn't think this one like leapt off the page, you know, the same way. Um, it, they, they're, they're, pro- they promoted here this eight man tag. And I think an, a, a six man tag with CMFTR, it, it, it works because CMFTR themselves are a singular entity. I don't exactly understand what connection Starks has with Punk, unless there's something in the past. Was there? It's a CMFTRRS. <laughs> uh it, it, it just tends to make you know the, the the thing a little bit impersonal, um, and it doesn't feel as special or at least as important or as as must see as maybe this this last week. Um, shall we go through the collision card while we're talking about the topic? Yeah, so this is the lineup for Saturday night in Toronto, which has moved tickets over this this last week. They are at um, over 4,000 tickets now out for Toronto. So it is Punk, FTR, and Ricky Starks against Juice Robinson, Jay White, and the Guns. Swerve Strickland against Hiroshi Tanahashi. So, man, Tanahashi is going to have to do at least, like, you would think a 10-minute singles match here and then do Mm -hmm. the MJF match the next night, which they made it very clear that match is happening on Sunday. Christian Cage will address the TNT title. That is how it was worded. So I imagine he's going to have like a sit down interview with his title and explain to the title what has happened. He's going to address. Maybe he'll write an address on the back in case he loses it. Sting and Darby are going to reveal their partner for Forbidden Door. I like the fact they left that open ended on Dynamite that you gave your reason that you will get that news on Saturday. Nyla Rose against Willow Nightingale in the opening round for the, the women's a bracket of the Owen Hart Cup and Brody King against Andrade. And I could certainly see the uh, the weekly Andrade matches grabbing some interest after that hot start last week with Buddy Matthews and the chance to replicate that this week with a Brody King. And you're starting to at least see with someone like a Andrade, like someone that is specific to collision that I don't think we're ever going to see this hard split, but I think you are going to see at least um, certain people that are designated for this show. Yeah, I, I mean, I even wonder after this weekend in in Chicago, how often you'll be seeing a CM Punk appearance. You know, it, it, it judging by like you know a, a, a tweet that Andrade sent out with CM Punk, they are AEW Collision. They represent this brand, and I wouldn't necessarily expect them outside of it too often. But you know, I thought I think you've also was- given yourself the the wiggle room too. That if there's a week you need a punk on a dynamite for a reason, it's not like we've handcuffed ourselves and we're going back on something that we're opening ourselves up to that criticism that we're not going to invite. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, for WWE, it's like, okay, we want all the money in the bank participants on fine. And it's, it just, it 
it is going to just be one of those things that they're, they're just going to openly violate. And I don't think AEW wants to violate any of their sort of their universe of you know rules. And well, for that reason, should Tony not really comment so much about whether or not there actually is a hard brand split and just kind of let things lie, you know, like wh- whoever, like throughout the consistency of these sort of week, weeks announcements, you'll see that Andrade is mainly a collision performer, but he's not saying that he can't show up on Dynamite and occasionally have one. So maybe that's what they mean by soft brand split, you know? Well, I mean, Tony's said like, there's, there's no like split rosters. Like he's keeping it just as though it's like these two shows that exist. He's not putting any limitations on himself. Sure. Whatever. But I, I really like the undercard here though. You know, I think Andrade and Brody King is a great follow up to Andrade versus Buddy Matthews. I really like Swerve versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Like to me, that's, that's a draw. Um, just because I think, again, like you have one of the best baby faces of, of all time taking on, I think, one of the great heels that are, uh, you know, on, on the come up right now in, in uh, AEW. So that looks interesting to me. I, not every main event involving CM Punk can be, you know, incredibly attractive. And at this point, maybe I should just be grateful that we're getting him wrestling at all. Um, and. It's yeah. also getting the lion's share of at least the opening round of the Owen Hart Cup. And based on who's in this, you would think like this is going to be predominantly a collision tournament for the men's side. Uh, they have shown you, uh, yeah, the, the opening matches, right? We're, we're, do, do we want to go to those brackets as well? Sure, why not? Yeah. So for the men's side, it will be CM Punk against Kojima at Forbidden Door this Sunday. The very famous clip in... uh shoot interview history with CM Punk. Are you not familiar with that? No, I'm not. What's he talking about? uh, No, I'm not at all. Wow. Um, So Punk and Kojima is on the pay-per-view and then Samoa Joe Roderick Strong will be, well, all three of these other opening round matches are on the collision that's being taped next Thursday in Hamilton, but will be airing on July the 1st, which is um, a week from Saturday. So you have Roderick Strong against Samoa Joe, which I think most are going to assume that means a, you could get your punk Joe match on television in Hamilton. Um, and then on the other side of the bracket, uh, n- no, 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 the week after Hamilton. Um, well, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. would, would be, yeah, at least the week after, which is but where do you know? After Hamilton is Regina. I- assuming it's on collision, of course. Yeah. Well, they've got to wrap this up by Calgary, which is like, it would have to be in Regina if your finals are in Calgary the week after that. Okay. There you so go. Regina could get, that's where I always, even in 05, I thought, you know, Punk and Joe, <laughs> they should renew this rivalry in Regina, Saskatchewan. That is where the next match should take place in 18 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin Rhodes against Powerhouse Hobbs. I think everyone sees Hobbs. I, I actually could see Hobbs winning this entire thing, including being Punk in the final, mm-hmm. doing that rematch of the first grand slam that they had and Punk losing. In the Mm -hmm. final, I think would be a very possible outcome. And then Juice Robinson, Ricky Starks. So that could give you Hobbs and Starks potentially in the second round. Although Juice could win that one too. That's Juice um, and Punk have something going on right now as part of this BC Gold thing as well. But I mean, I think Hobbs at least making it to the finals is probably a way better use of this tournament. All right. So, and then the women's bracket is Britt Baker against Ruby Soho. That will be on next week's Dynamite. Anna JAS against Sky Blue, which is on Rampage this Friday, and they are taping it now. Nyla Rose against Willow Nightingale will be on this Saturday's collision in Toronto. And then Athena coming back to the ROH side of things, taking on Billy Starks on the zero hour portion of Forbidden Door as well. So uh, Billy mm-hmm. Starks is the 18 year old that has done a, a ton with uh, GCW and I think just graduated high school as well. So okay. what a what a graduation gift you get Athena at the Scotiabank Arena. Who do you see making it to the semis and then the finals here? If you had to make some predictions, I'll go. Um, I, I would really have certainly Sky Blue advancing. Mm-hmm. Um, R- Sky and it would be hard to see Britt Baker getting upset in the first round, even though you do kind of have this Soho Sky Blue. She um, can get screwed out of a win; wouldn't necessarily be an upset. It's possible. Um, yeah, I see Blue and, and Soho advancing, you know, and then maybe so uh, Blue even make it into the finals. But uh, on the other end, it might be a little bit tougher to predict here because we've got Willow Nightingale, who's a New Japan Strong Champion. We've also got Athena on the other end. 
Um, I can see both of them advancing to the semis, but who advances beyond that? Who I actually don't even lo- I, I don't hate the idea of Billy Starks upsetting Athena, and that could be in an ROH program um, this summer for like Death Before Dishonor, and she gets the upset, and then she comes up short against Willow in in the next round. She gets her her big career defining win in front of a giant crowd, and Athena could build a challenger out of this as well, and it gets it gets the tournament off to a big start where anyone can win who wins the tournament on the women's side there's part of me that could certainly see um this one's really wide open i mean you Mm -hmm. could you could certainly make arguments for for several of them here i i don't see Britt baker getting out uh i i could imagine that Britt baker probably makes it to the final and okay and then loses it basically Basically defends it, uh, like defending champion loses. I think it because else. Cole is not in the other men's bracket, you probably want some, you know, passing of the torch of last year's uh, winner losing to this year's. Mm. Um, that, that, yeah, that's, that's one option too. to go. Honestly, like this one is one where I think you could make arguments for almost everyone in this. I I would say maybe Nyla Rose and Anna Jay would be your your biggest uh, underdogs in terms of going yeah. further in this. Yeah, I mean, I, I despite you know Willow being um, a current belt holder for New Japan, I, I really do think a tournament like this to crown her would be wonderful. Same with Athena as a way to just kind of reintroduce her to the AEW scene. So, I'm a little disappointed that like we, we aren't getting uh, first of all any Canadians as part of this Canadian tournament taking place in Canada. Um, who I'm, who are the Canadians that we're missing? Like Ethan Page. Sure, there's an Ethan Page. There's uh, uh you know, um. God, there's got to be other Canadians. Like Evil Uno wasn't going to be in this thing. Why not? Why not? Well, I mean, I understand. I completely understand. Like you, this tournament ultimately is used to, you know, as a vehicle to promote your up and coming stars. That's it. And I, that, I think the men's bracket is really strong. I don't think it's missing. No, it's um, good. It's good. But I do think like the Owen Hart theme of it all could be like a bit more uh, emphasized through the matchmaking. You know, um, a lot of people are suggesting a Jeff Jarrett enter something like this. Um, and going forward, I, I, you would have had just as many people complain about Jeff Jarrett being in a tournament like this and taking a spot of, if it was Samoa Joe and Jeff Jarrett, well, actually, there'd be more interest in Jeff Jarrett and Samoa Joe probably in that first round, <laughs> to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you could have done that. I mean, it's, um, you know, small things. But overall, do you uh, do you like the brackets beyond yeah, the... Uh, it's fine. Ultimately, it comes down to, like, who's getting over as a result of these matches and as a result of the win. And um, for me, it's, it's more so the booking that I, I care about rather than the starting brackets. Jeff Jarrett and Mark Briscoe had their concession stand brawl and they started the concession stand and ring the bell and they are surrounded by fans and uh, Mark squirts mustard all over Jeff, gets it into his hair. Jeff's using popcorn and then Karen appears with a mask and squirts ketchup into the eyes of Mark. Is that a blinding substance? You ever been squirted in the eyes by ketchup? I mean, I would think any substance squirted into the eyes other than like eye drops, um, probably isn't too pleasant. I'm just thinking of what would be present at a concession stand that would be the best to go with. I would certainly like if vinegar. Some, vinegar would be the go-to, I would think. But but not ketchup is a better consistency have. for spraying. You know, they're like usually those packets at a at a concession stand, and those are yeah. tough to use as a weapon. Yeah, not very effective. It's a sanitizer, I think. You know that that's another option they did use in the last one. So Mark uh, overcomes the ketchup to bring out a ladder and climbs up, but then Sanjay appears and shoves Mark off the ladder and he plummets through the table at the concession stand area. During the break, they make it into the arena and Jay Lethal and Dutt are now involved. And they go to pull the timekeeper's table away and there's this older gentleman standing right there at the table. And the way the camera was, every single person at home saw who this was, except for Jay Lethal, who tells this man to let go of the table. And then it's revealed to be Papa Briscoe, who just got a ringside seat here in Chicago. He probably looked on Russell Ticks and saw, you know what, maybe I could score some uh, a comp ticket or right on the floor. So he got here. You no, know, he was de- decoying as a stagehand. That would be a tough, um, tough gig to pull off. I mean, just going incognito all day as a stagehand. Well, I'm sure he could. You know, he's very pull. distinct. Oh, I, I, what? I, I could see him pulling cable. You know, maybe um, delivering notes, whatever they do. Well, 
this uh, this stagehand took Jay Lethal and like urinogied him through this table. And Papa Briscoe gets into the ring, clotheslining Dutt and Jarrett, and then Karen Jarrett kicks him in the balls. Satnam Singh enters and choke slams Mark as Christopher Daniels and the best friends run down to bump for Singh. The Lucha brothers get involved to help, leading to a four-way super kick on Singh. And then Penta super kicks Jarrett into a schoolboy by Mark, who gets the win in 828. And they all hoist Mark up on their shoulders. He hugs his father. And that seems to be the end of the Briscoe Jarrett family program. Yeah. And is it the end of Jeff Jarrett? On the road to the, he did say, if I don't beat Mark Briscoe, you will not see me in AEW. So. Which they apparently then pulled that video because they did not want that stipulation to be attached to this. But the fact that it was even uttered, um, to me, it it certainly would be natural to question, like, is that uh, potentially a a wrap-up here for Jarrett with this program? Well, the fact that they pulled it, I guess, suggests that they're not ready to actually do it. Yeah, we could get a rampage number out of Jeff Jarrett's retirement. (laughs) Sure. I thought the match was a lot of fun. You know, th- this type of crazy spot-filled match with surprises is, is, I think, what you would want from Jeff Jarrett and his sort of, like, band of oddities. Um, I would not want this to be, like, a pay-per-view title match, which was, like, maybe one of my complaints when they were going up against um, the, the, you know, FTR, you know, that, that you were selling pe- for people on a pay-per-view. But as a TV type of, like, visual um spectacle i thought it was a lot of fun you had you know a whole cast of characters show up that was essentially sort of like a you know this is your life type of thing for like everybody that's ever participated in this segment so we'll see what happens with jared after this this post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet smart money podcast financial literacy can be daunting but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd wallet smart money podcast Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Papa Briscoe and Karen Jarrett, maybe that would be the the culmination of everything. Hmm. Yes, maybe. Not likely? No. BCC are in the back with Don Callis and Takeshita, and they are the only three letters that matter. And Moxley says they have assembled a team for Forbidden Door, five on five, with Takeshita and Shota Umino joining Moxley, Claudio, and Yuta, and they are challenging the elite. But everyone's doing the math in their head. Wait a minute. Kenny's got a match. That leaves three members of the elite. Who will the other two be? But Danielson says Okada isn't even here tonight. And people call Okada the best in the world. I'm going to prove he's an amateur. And if he doesn't show up tonight, he'll prove he's not only an amateur, but a coward. And this was the first of many cowards being accused on this show. That word was thrown around at at will on, on tonight's show to goad people into situations they did not want to enter. They took time to recap Collision, which um, I'm sure you can you can put on your um, detective hat as you watched how they edited the punk promo and all of the the key lines being out. Uh, other than um, mm-hmm. these boots, if no one can fill them, then I'm going to continue. So that was that was the recap that that summarized everything. For more mm-hmm. on the punk promo, you can listen to our chat with a uh, Dave Meltzer today with the uh, with the latest mm-hmm. on on that. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki. The Suzuki gods taking on Action Andretti, Darius Martin, and A.R. Fox. So Guevara and Jericho are sort of at odds here. And you see Guevara, when he goes to the corner, he opts to tag in Suzuki instead of Jericho. And Jericho's giving him this look. Uh, but this this turned into a very entertaining match. Jericho rekindles his program with Action Andretti. And I don't know where Action Andretti is going to go, but... His greatest thing so far is Chris Jericho taking a liking to this guy because tonight he made Action Andretti look like this superstar in the ring. They, the two of them just have a phenomenal chemistry together. And if Action Andretti can just work with this guy every couple of months, it will revive um, where he is in, in, in between that dark period in between Jericho interactions. Just every few months have a Jericho match or, or program? It just 
every six months they go back and you and you remember this 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 whole program. So Andretti's in, Jericho's bumping all over the place for him, and then Andretti misses a split-legged moonsault and lands in the rear naked choke by Suzuki that Darius breaks up. Guevara's in, hits a double cutter off the top, and then Fox with his inverted 450 to the floor. um, One of the key spots was Andretti hitting the running shooting star on Jericho, which is how he pinned him in the big upset match. And this time Jericho kicks out. Suzuki then ducks Fox, rear naked choke into Gotch, and into the Gotch pile driver. And then Andretti's with a pump kick. Everyone's in here with these moves, including Darius getting a near fall on Jericho. And finally, Martin goes off the top and lands in the lion tamer as Suzuki has an ankle lock applied on the floor and Darius submits at 10 minutes, 28 seconds. Um, fun action match. And we also got a Jericho Suzuki sex gods pose on top of it. In this yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, fun match. Yeah, I thought so. I thought Darius Fox and Andretti were very impressive. They made the, you know, older guys look really good. Suzuki spots were totally over with these crowds. Um, and I guess, you know, serve to continue their undefeated streak for the Suzuki gods. And they will put that undefeated streak of 1-0 at stake on Sunday because Renee was in the ring and asked about being in the ring with Sting last week. Jericho called it a monumental moment, first time ever. But I wasn't excited because I know how selfish Sting is. He just goes to the highest bidder and he calls Sting a whore. He says uh, Suzuki gods are undefeated and challenges Sting and Darby to find a partner for Forbidden Door, but doesn't think Sting will. You know why? Because Sting's a coward. And Sting's music plays. He comes out to argue against that assertion. And he says, Chris, you're so uptight. And we had a moment together last week, but it wasn't enough. I want to have some time with you. And he accepts the six man and says how Chris has made a lot of enemies in a lot of places. And you'll find out our partner. On Collision. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. So Sting Darby showing up on Collision. Who do you think the partner is? Um, who are Jericho's enemies um, that come to mind? I mean, he's feuded with, um, you know, Naito, Okada, Tanahashi. Evil. Oh, man. I don't, I don't think he'd join Sting and Darby. Who would make sense? Who would you like to see? Who could hang out with Sting and Darby? I think maybe, uh, maybe KG Mudo. Mudo will come out of retirement. Okay. Darby can wheel him down. We'll have a great six man. I don't know if Mudo's ready for that flight to Toronto. That's yeah, that's a tough not. one. Personally, I'd love Shingo to be in the in this match, but not really a it's deep possible. seated history. I mean it's it gets you know, there was the connection of Shingo and Sting last year, but um mm-hmm. Not necessarily a an enemy. Maybe it'll be um maybe it'll be someone from um Jericho's like um Hart Brothers training class in nineteen ninety. That's currently a part of the New Japan roster, or just anybody you're saying? No, I think uh th- that that was a two person class that uh ha- saw any success, and I don't know about the rest of them. Maybe it'll be Bill Goldberg, John. Yes. Okay. Maybe <laughs> possible. Or Jericho. That that takes off a, checks off a lot of boxes right there. Yeah. Shivani and RJ City draw in a tumbler, the blind eliminator tournament. So as many suspected, this is lethal lottery where two people will be chosen and they have no say in who their partner will be. The brackets will be revealed next week and they draw the names and they're like reacting to them, but they don't tell us who they are. I was like, what was the point of this? But there would be a point later in the show. So Mm. we just watch them react. So there's a lot of teasing without seeing the reaction. A lot of like, hey, here's like what we're about to announce, but you got to tune in another time mm-hmm. on the show. The elite. This was a taped segment. Respond to the BCC, and they know that they have the the BCC has the numbers advantage because Omega can't team with them on Sunday. But we have friends all over the place. A lot of people hate the BCC, and in walks Eddie Kingston, and he jokes about their past, and you guys trying to blow me up, but uh. <laughs> he doesn't like them, but I hate Claudio more. And I, my condition is I get to pick the final guy and I'm going to go and make the announcement. So this was their way of uh, Eddie Kingston appearing live on the show without these four and keeping them away from the Chicago crowd. And boy, did Eddie Kingston have to 
really tiptoe around this newfound allegiance in <laughs> Chicago that he had to constantly preface. I don't like these guys. I don't respect these guys, but I hate Claudio more. So can you fans please understand my hatred for Claudio more than my alliance with the people you hate as well? This was well, they, like trigonometry, AEW style. They do have a lot of respect, I guess, for, you know, prior um, storylines and, and making sure that they don't contradict. So <laughs> I also really like the attention to um, consistency here with Eddie Kingston's tank top. OK, because this pre-tape that they did last week, Eddie was wearing a black tank top. And he even had to start tonight's in-ring segment explaining why he had to put the shirt on. So I, I don't know if that was just a bit of like sort of continuity that they were looking to get, but it felt... Um, I guess a bit odd for like Eddie to put on a shirt and having to explain it in front of live audiences. Did you think this show being the go home show, did this miss something with, I'm not so concerned about hangman or the bucks, but did it miss something with Kenny Omega not being in a more prominent segment tonight with, with Will Ospreay? A little bit, yeah. But I think without, you know, Kenny, I mean, you had at least some Kenny presence there through a segment like this, through, of course, Will Ospreay's segment later on. And I think it also served the stage to, like, give Omega and Danielson the spotlight. I fully expect you get your Kenny-Will Ospreay segment. Well, you know what? <laughs> Do we get it on Saturday? No, I probably not. I because mean, you've what? got Ospreay on Rampage that he's doing the, the eight-man. Um yeah. I mean, yeah. it's possible. I don't think it's this, um, you know. They're going to share a locker room on Sunday. So I, I don't think it's so much a, an Omega um, issue specific. Um, mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I, I, I would say that was the one thing is at the end of this show, you certainly felt like the main event push tonight was Okada and Danielson above mm-hmm. Osprey and Omega. But that also just could have been a function of not having a big segment on this show. But I would say mm-hmm. if if this is your main event that you're pushing for – for Sunday, I think you would have wanted that big segment between these two and not just Will Ospreay arriving at the arena for no apparent reason on this episode and being told he will have security to back him up in Canada, that uncivilized nation. Hmm. Adam Cole comes out and he says that MJF gave him one of the toughest matches of his career. He did everything he could, but he couldn't win. But MJF didn't win either. And he can understand him not taking those five more minutes, but MJF... You're a coward. And he calls him out. He wants a rematch. So MJF is out. Tons of heat for MJF in Chicago. And he compliments Cole for coming to play last week. You came back better than ever. And MJF takes credit for dragging it out of Cole. And I know you've taken a lot of blows to the head. In fact, you lost track of time last week. And the fact is, had that match gone any longer, I would have beaten you. And he turns down Cole's offer for a rematch, citing Cole's health and well-being. So Cole instead wants to fight right now. And then Shivani interrupts and both give the shut up Shivani, which was a funny line for those, uh, for, for, for long-term continuity. But Shivani reveals that the two are partners in the blind eliminator tournament and MJF Cole freaks out because he's got a team with this guy. MJF is freaked out because it means he's got to wrestle each week. And then Tanahashi appears on screen calling him a coward. What's that? A coward, I said. Damn. And Cole then talks MJF into taking the match with Tanahashi because deep down, MJF knows Tanahashi is better. And this is too much for MJF to hear. So he accepts the match because he's better than Tanahashi. And Cole ends it by saying, good luck, partner. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's this awkwardness when it comes to Forbidden Door where you have to concurrently... um, kind of sidestep and detour from your the actual build that you're doing in order to build to this match and i mean um does it necessarily make sense for adam cole to you know want hiroshi tanahashi a very capable wrestler to challenge for a championship that he ultimately wants to win off of max it doesn't matter like they just the point of the segment is to just make you remember and think about all these things that are happening at, at, at the same time and i thought by the end it was fine you know obviously the segment was nowhere near maybe as electric as last week's but i thought coming out into it and coming out of it cole's confidence and attitude were strong it felt as if he was you know still while still being a baby face but like not total boy scout and he had an attitude and sort of like a cockiness about his de- demeanor that felt a lot more like the adam cole of old so um yeah officially got you you know mjf versus tanahashi yes and 
you know, this tag tournament could really drag things out with MJF and Cole as they're part of this tournament. If you want to take them into the, at least into, into July, if not, um, if you're closing in on whatever it is for um, all in or all out as your destination for this match. Can they get along? The big question. The brackets were announced for the Owen Hart Cup and then Orange Cassidy and Katsuyori Shibata against Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Garcia. A very lengthy match at 16 and a half minutes. Excalibur went over Shibata's subdural hematoma, which was six years ago. We are at now. Zack and Shibata start off the match uh, going back to uh, the the G1 uh, final, the surprise exhibition that we got uh, a couple of years back. There's uh, great wrestling here with with Zack. applying the octopus and then Shibata escaping into the ankle lock. And they're going back and forth. Garcia came in doing his dance in front of Cassidy. Then Cassidy started to dance. And then Zach tags in, goes up to Cassidy and says, show me your tricks. And there's the limp kicks from Cassidy. Zach and Garcia then take over and Garcia drills the knee into the mat and going through the break. They actually went through two breaks during this match. Shibata, who, man, his offense looked tremendous here with Garcia, kicks him in the back. And then Garcia sits cross-legged as they're delivering the limp kicks. And Garcia got busted open uh, on the lip during uh, some of this offense. Both are in. Uh, Shibata, uh, both Shibata and Cassidy hit running drop kicks into the corner. And then Shibata with another on Garcia. It's a dragon tamer on Shibata. And then after Cassidy hits a satellite DDT to Zach, Shibata hits a boot and the rear naked choke. But then as Cassidy goes for the orange punch, he misses the target and nails his partner. Garcia rolls up Shibata in 1636 and Zach holds on to Cassidy to prevent the save. And then all four are grabbing at the belt because it is a four way for the international championship at Forbidden Door. So a match that I thought got more time than it was going to when they started this one. And they had a lot of segments to go later on in this show. But what did you think about this as the prelude to the four way? I actually felt like it, it took a while to get going for me. Um, and I don't know how much of it. I mean, the crowd were pretty good for this match, but I don't know if it was just the in-ring style or just maybe the length of it for something that, um, I don't know if it necessarily needed, needed that length, but individually, like all four wrestlers are incredible. And I thought Shibata looked great here. Um, this was not the match I was expecting to get. I was ex- expecting to get your singles matches here with the, uh, you know, uh, Orange Cassidy versus Zack Saber and then maybe a Shibata versus Garcia for, you know, a final battle or something. But instead they grip them all together in a four way and it's not as personal of a match, but I'm still excited for it because of the strength of the, the four competitors. Marvez catches up with Will Ospreay and he runs down Canada. He's used to competing in civilized countries. So Don Callis comes in, he agrees with Osprey, and that Omega has incited his fans towards violence, and he is going to provide his own military-grade security that will be made available to Osprey because he just wants to see a fair fight on Sunday. So I don't know who these security members are going to be. Um, Military-grade. Maybe a Canadian yeah. independent Mounties. security. Uh, could be a bunch of Mounties coming to help Will. Tony Storm and Willow Nightingale do a a video package together, and they are going to have a match at Forbidden Door as well for the AEW Women's Championship. And Chris Statlander, Taya Valkyrie for the TBS Championship. It was our last match of the night, but more segments to come after this. Uh, Nice match that the two had, and late in the show, we had uh, Taya going through the break in control. They hit double head kicks on one another, and then Taya with a double underhook sit-out slam. Chris comes back with the discus lariat, eats a spear, and then hits a sliding German off the middle rope to Statlander. And then Statlander's comeback, superplex, and the Wednesday night fever, 854, to retain the TBS championship. Good match. I thought Statlander looked good, maybe other than, you know, that kind of wonky um, moonsault off the apron there. Um, Crowd reactions, I felt, weren't that big for this one either, but... What matters now is giving somebody like giving Chris Statlander as TBS champion consistent airtime. And I think she's been delivering in all these appearances and her reactions will come. So, uh, I'm, you know, the tire story just has just kind of wrapped up. So who do we move on to next for both, both of these two? I do feel that in the rushed nature of her coming back unannounced and winning the titles in like her first night back, I think we have sort of skipped over the the whole comeback story that can be at least retold in terms of people that maybe did not, you know, she was gone for all this time. What was this? Like she's had several big injuries. I just feel watching that Von Wagner 
segment on NXT. Did you happen to see this? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that everything is going to achieve that level, but to me, that is like the level of like engagement you would want in a character in Von Wagner that I don't know how many people care too much about. And you watch this segment and how you cannot like root for this guy. And I just think like there are so many of those stories that sometimes go unexplained that are the things that sort of separate you from the pack that give your audience something to really sink their teeth into. And I think with Chris Statlander, she's one of many that has this huge comeback story of all these setbacks and she's come back. But I would say if you're just the weekly television viewer, you've just seen her come back, win the championship and her storytelling is all contained to in the ring. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're doing like video packages for her on road to or, or not, but I mean, they often reserve those things for YouTube and, and things like that. And that's kind of unfortunate to me because I, I, I think beyond the in-ring performances, you need a bit more of a personality piece, you know, whether it be through an interview or th- through like, um, you know, well edited video and dynamite just isn't really the place that they've used for things like that. We went over the collision lineup. Rampage on Friday has the best friends, Yo and Rocky Romero against Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, Swerve Strickland, and Kyle Fletcher. MJF's first appearance on Rampage, mm-hmm. coming back for the glory days of Rampage, which are about to begin. Uh, we'll see. The acclaimed will be in action. Adam Cole speaks. Anna Jay against Sky Blue in the Owen Hart Cup. And Jungle Boy against Doki, which I bet is going to be really good. Yeah, we'll see. Yes. I mean, it looks like a very good lineup for Rampage. And then Collision on Saturday night. And we are racing against the clock. Eddie Kingston is in the ring and explains, I've got to wear a shirt because I had surgery and I ate a lot of ice cream. So he covers up his uh, his tank top with uh, his sweater. And he brings up Omega and the Young Bucks. And they were certainly booed, but I wouldn't say it was, it was not a vociferous reaction either. Um, but he explains, I don't like or respect them. But I can't stand Claudio at all, so understand my plight. Moxley comes through the crowd and gets into the ring and explains how those that stand in front of you destroy them. And that that's what Kingston is doing. He is standing in front of Moxley. Kingston explains that Moxley is the one that drew the line between them by teaming with that scumbag. And he's getting into Moxley's face. And John goes to say every time. And Kingston's like, every time what, John? Every time what? And Kingston then just says, forget it. And he announces Tomohiro Ishii as the fifth man to join Hangman Page and the Young Bucks with Eddie Kingston against the BCC. And out comes Tomohiro Ishii, who is looking like his knees are ready for another G1. And the man <laughs> just staggers down that uh, that aisle, attacks uh, the BCC. Danielson gets involved. And then Danielson announces that Okada is not coming out. And he's going to stomp Ishii's face in when Okada's music plays. And my God, did they prime this crowd to just go nuts for Okada, who the show was essentially built around for this appearance. And he comes in, huge pop, face-to-face with Danielson, and then Yuta attacks from behind. Danielson misses the Busaiku knee, hitting Yuta. And then Danielson ducks a Rainmaker, which I was glad that they did not give that one away. Uh, he escapes, but then Okada delivers the Rainmaker to Yuta. And... Other than Okada getting on the mic and calling this coward back into the ring, this was a great ending. <laughs> a very good ending. You know, last week I felt like a lot of the focus was put on Kenny versus um, uh, uh, Will Ospreay. And tonight you got to see your first in-ring face-to-face meeting between Kazuchika Okada and Brian Danielson. Um, good close and then good build overall to Forbidden Door. You rounded out a lot of things and left a little bit of surprise for collision, but we pretty much have the entire card right, right now. What do we have? Like 10 matches? Yeah. Let's go over the, the most updated lineup, which is at 10 matches. Yeah. We have uh, Kenny Omega against Will Ospreay for the United States championship. Brian Danielson against Kazuchika Okada. Sonata against Jack Perry for the IWGP world heavyweight championship. MJF and Tanahashi for the AEW title. Jericho and Sammy Guevara with Minoru Suzuki against Sting Darby and their partner that they will announce on Collision. The BCC with Takeshita and Shota Umino against the Elite with Eddie Kingston and Tomohiro Ishii. Punk against Kojima. 
Orange Cassidy, Zack Sabre Jr., Shibata, and Daniel Garcia for the International Championship. Tony Storm and Willow Nightingale for the women's title. And on the zero hour, Athena against Billy Starks. And we will see if any more is announced. I would think this is probably the whole pay-per-view lineup. And we will see if they add anything more to the zero hour uh, beyond the one match that they have now. Mm-hmm. Strong show, you know, an incredibly strong roster. I'd say, um, you know, obviously the match announcements kind of peaked, you know, on the top end. And I think it's a disappointment that maybe, um, you know, the Kenta match versus CM Punk couldn't happen. But the fact that we're getting a CM Punk match at all on this one feels like it's it's just a nice little bonus at this point. Is this the type of match? Do you see it having a big impact on the number with CM Punk's? confirmation on the pay-per-view or do you feel that this uh, is i originally felt like punk being on this show would do like i I was saying like 20 percent difference in buys Mm. um i'm still very i I still am pretty high on this pay-per-view doing really well like i think it's going to i don't know if significantly outdraw last year's show but i if this does 160 i'm not going to be stunned by this i'm i'm on the higher end for this show I think it adds a little bit, you know, is it the type of match, you know, Punk versus Kojima that's going to draw out like a non-pay-per-view, non-AEW pay-per-view ordering fan to to pick up on the show? Not on and that alone, but like CM Punk wrestling on the show in addition to the totality of the rest of the show, I could see maybe taking some people over the top. What percentage wise, I, I'm not really, you know, good enough to gauge something like that, but like up and down this card, it's, it's a pretty stacked card, John. Do, do you, you see know? it topping last year at 140? 100% I do. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that's, you know, a very, you know, that's kind of the range of what these recent AEW shows have been in, in that, in that 140 ballpark. So there you have it. That is Forbidden Door coming up on Sunday and we will open it up to, any super chats if you want to ask us about anything that is going on. And we have feedback to get to at forum.postwrestling.com. Just a reminder, everybody, right after we do our feedback, we'll be going over to the Post Wrestling Cafe as we discuss this week's edition of Dark Side of the Ring. So would you like to go to forum.postwrestling.com to start us off, John? Muggin says, compared to last year's build, this was a step above as a lot of the matches got one final push. Okada and Danielson sharing the ring with commentary, hammering home that that it is the main event was enough to satisfy me. Uh, Omega Osprey two should be the opener of forbidden door um, is, is should be the opener. Forbidden door is going to be bookended. I do not like Omega and Osprey in the, uh, the opener spot punk showing up was a neat commercial for the forbidden door Eve tradition of collision. I'm so here for swerve and Tanahashi. Meanwhile, Statlander Valkyrie for the TBS title was solid. Cole and Maxwell, Jacob Friedman being forced to team up should be quite a ride until the inevitable rematch and the concession stand brawl was silly fun. The pacing needs some decaf. I didn't hear them actually identify it as the main event. Did you catch that? Uh, some people have said that. Several people have ha- have okay. said that enough for me to actually believe it. Um, but I I don't That's know. That's how I felt coming off of this show, just with the positioning of of everything. I guess I just don't know if I put that much weight into things like that because we just went through a whole pay per view build where I mean I I at least certainly thought you know the the four way with the pillars was going to be the main event. We had Darby even say it in an interview. This is different, I suppose, if the announcers are saying it. But I'm still not a hundred percent. Until we actually see the pay-per-view itself. I, w- I would say we'd, we would probably know tomorrow. Tony Khan is doing his media call on Thursday, and I would think he probably um, w- would state that one way or the other. If it is the main event, as was stated on here, I think he'd make that really clear on the on the call, which is like th- that's certainly it's it's to me it's it's two options to close the show. And I don't think there's a wrong answer. Mm. We have a super chat that just came in here from Andrew Brown, who says. Well, do you think Okada versus Danielson is the right call for the main event? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's I look at those two matches, I'd have a hard time justifying anything else, but those two would be I I would end the show with those two. Like I would put your two biggest matches back to back. I would not put a buffer in there. I would not put one in the opener. I think you end the card with, you know, an an hour. Those that could be 90 minutes with entrances and post match and everything. So I guess a good question is who who do you think wins either match and does that influence who you put on last? I would say that um for to, to me no cuz I think like there is enough that if if you have one of the new Japan talents go over in the main event it is probably with the idea that there's going to be a follow up for something like all in. Mm-hmm. Um 
But well, I can certainly and vice, see vice versa. Let's yeah, see Dan, Danielson beats Okada. Um, you wouldn't rule it past them to do a rematch at some point in Japan. Perhaps. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Do, do you have a solid uh, feeling? Honestly, you can't go wrong personally because I know the physical quality that like Okada, uh, sorry, uh, Osprey and Omega represents. I I would end the show with that. But you know, there's going to be incredible grandeur attached to Okada and Danielson that will be hard to match too. Like on a mainstream sense, I I wonder if Okada Danielson is a bigger match just because Danielson is is that much bigger of a star. Um, you can't go wrong. I would still do Osprey Okada Osprey Omega last. Okay, uh, let's go to Gemstone Joe who says tremendous go home show for Forbidden Door with solid in ring action and great storyline advancement. Kojima is a little disappointing as CM Punk's first pay per view opponent. But I think the potential semi-vinyl versus Joe and finals will make up for that. Is there any chance we get Sting versus Jericho one-on-one at all-in or all-out? Seems like it's the direction to me. John. It's obviously the big match that is they're going to hold on to. Can they hold on to it until all-in? I mean, uh, they certainly could. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. I mean, you're doing the six-man this this Sunday. Yeah, I I certainly could see that. Even though it's as blind as someone with 2020 vision, I love the pairing of MJF and Cole. Lastly, I expect some interesting stories about how Punk and the Elite were kept apart at Forbidden Door. Brian in New Jersey. Quality go-home show for the pay-per-view with the card getting rounded out with promos. Very satisfied with Danielson and Okada getting the main event for the pay-per-view and closing tonight's show. Really like the six-man and the lengthy tag team match to set up Sunday's four-way. If Naito gets a match on Forbidden Door, will he take his shirt off for it? I mean, his spot <laughs> is probably limited to that six man, wouldn't you say? Like, I don't think they're gonna create. I don't think he's coming over. I don't think he's even making the flight. You know? Yeah, maybe he's gonna. Yeah, he's he's gonna be hanging out at home. Yeah, I suppose it's possible. But man, are there uh, omissions from the New Japan roster that you're disappointed by? Omissions? Um, uh, not as much. It's uh, like I, I don't think anyone is slighted by it. It's such a loaded show that you can't get everybody on. Like certainly, I, I would I would have loved to have seen a Yoda Suji on this card. I would have loved to have seen like some of that core of like these the, the young talent that are all on the on the big come up that they uh, they aren't figured in here. But I mean, there's there's only so many spots, so I, I don't really have any negative feeling on that. Yeah, when you look at the card up and down, I mean, every match features at least like you know one New Japan wrestler or or several. Um, I would have been great to see a Hiromu on a show like this. Yeah, that's um, an omission for Shingo, sure. You know, I mean, we don't know who's taking that last spot with Darby at the moment, but um, um, certainly like that could be an Lij representative in that Sting Darby match. That right. that could make sense. Okay. Um, uh, is it me here? Now. Jordan from the Bronx says, great go-home episode with the path to Sunday being clearer. The upcoming TV leading to Forbidden Door explains why they didn't have stuff promoted from the debut collision episode. The Owen Cup matches plus Swerve versus Tanahashi are amazing draws. As a Swerve fan, I get frustrated as, with his booking at times. However, Swerve gets to make his own music, do his podcast, hang out with rappers, and randomly get booked into Tanahashi Mash on TV. Shows me that he's not upset at all. The closing segment with Mox and Kingston mirrored their promo from their feud going into their match in 2020. This time, it seemed like maybe Moxley lost the flow from Eddie's intensity, but Eddie is so good at being Eddie that I loved it. Tony Khan made sure to keep Brian Danielson away from any human contact for this entire build to Forbidden Door. I can't imagine what Danielson is going to do on Sunday. Legit goosebumps when he and Okada faced off. I have a theory that we haven't gotten Naito on these shows, possibly due to LIJ being a, being a CMLL-based thing. And Naito having a stronger association with them than other members. I don't know why else he wouldn't be on these joint shows or any AEW appearances outside of him just not wanting to do it. Mm, I, I I don't see that as any kind of hang up at all. Um, in terms of Danielson, I mean Danielson just did like anarchy in the, in the arena. So I mean, he but he wasn't. He didn't take the biggest bumps in that match. Like the the fact, like I do agree that he it seems like he's being protected to an extent where he's not as active as a John Moxley or any of the other mem- members of the BCC. Um, and what's gone into that thinking? Well, we do have to remember that this is a man with a real, you know, long history of concussions. And do you want to take your risks, you know, um, on a TV match for little gain when he could just as well cut a promo and, and have persons on the show that way. Yeah. 
Last one here is from uh, Robbie in London. Just here to say how absolutely pumped I am for Forbidden Door. I'll be there live, probably losing my mind most of the night. As a huge New Japan guy, seeing all these names live for the first time is absolutely amazing. And that main event, is it Sunday yet? Hope to see lots of you at Forbidden Poor. All right, Robbie. We look forward to seeing you as well. And all of you out there, we will have a post show for Forbidden Door, but it will be coming out on Monday afternoon. So pay attention to the free feed as Way and I will be dropping that show Monday afternoon. Going I think through. we're going to do that live on uh, Monday at noon. Monday at noon Eastern. So you can check that out after Forbidden Door weekend. So coming up over the next couple of days, we are going to be jumping on to the post oh, cafe in minutes. Uh, do you want a spoiler for Rampage? Yes, go ahead. Okay, uh, Filthy Tom Lawler versus Adam Cole is being booked for Forbidden Door. Oh wow, that's a that's a cool addition to the show. Did they say if that's zero hour or if it's if that that's the pay per view? I don't know at the moment. Okay, well that's a that's a cool addition to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are going to be going on to the Post Wrestling Cafe in minutes to go over this week's Dark Side of the Ring. Then on Thursday, it's the launch of the latest season of MCU Later with Secret Invasion, and Way is going to be chatting with Rich Fan about the premiere that is on Disney Plus. Yes, that is correct. It's on Disney Plus, I believe, right now. Uh, I'll be talking about it with Rich and also WH Park. And Rich and WH will take us through the rest of the five episodes in the series in the weeks after that. So that comes out every Thursday here in the Post Wrestling Cafe. And for Cafe members, beyond those two shows, you also get back-to-back nights of Waiting and Kate from Montreal Friday on Rewind to SmackDown and then Collision Course Saturday, uh, where John Cena might be calling in with a live report as he will be here in Toronto attending the show at the Scotiabank Arena. So we're going to have shows, four shows um, in a row, sometimes five in the Post Wrestling Cafe for like the better part of like these next five weeks, I should say. Uh, and then somehow we're going to have to juggle the G1 with all of that as well. So. It's going to be a busy. It's a busy summer. $6 gets you in the door. (laughs) Your month starts instantly with access to all of these bonus shows. So see us on the cafe. Thanks to everybody for joining us. You can also check, check, check out Pollock and Thurston from today. Dave Meltzer, editor of the wrestling of the newsletter, joining us for about 45 minutes to go over the collision numbers, as well as all of the Sam Punk elite latest what reaction has been like to the promo the espn interview that Ramondi conducted and the importance of cm punk for this period with aew and how much uh important news is going to be coming out over this next year between wwe and aew so always a great chat with dave Meltzer and uh, lots more coming up so keep it tuned at postwrestling.com you are more than welcome to leave us a five-star review for the the tireless effort of the post wrestling world. In honor of Dave, give us a five star review. That is it. Go go leave us uh some some kind feedback. That's it. We'll be on the cafe in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> 